Hey, chiropractors, we're ready for another modern chiropractic marketing show with Dr. Kevin Christie, where we discuss the latest in marketing strategies, content marketing, direct response marketing, and business development with some of the leading experts in the industry. Hey, docs, welcome to another episode of the Modern Chiropractic Marketing Show, and today, I've got an interview with Christine Odell. You've heard me talk about her a lot. This is actually the audio from the interview I did with her for the uh, Chiropractic Business Summit. It was such a, a really good interview. We talked a lot about cash flow, how to have confidence in your cash flow, and I think that's a key distinction to have in making sure that you're you're growing and at the same time you're making accurate decisions with your money. And we dive into that for the video interview. Um, I highly recommend watching the video interview during the virtual summit. Um, we're going to really break down the cash flow, the sinking fund, emergency fund, operating accounts, how to make decisions properly, and, and ultimately just um, you know get, uh, get the confusion away from your money as a small business owner and start getting it to work for you. And uh, we, we just... Um, you know, touched on some things we've touched on in the past, but then took it on a different angle. So I, I highly recommend listening to this. And I highly recommend signing up for the Virtual Business Summit. It's it's free. There are upgrades. There are lifetime access, tons of bonuses uh, with those upgrades. But you can go to bit.ly, bit.ly slash Cairo Business to register for free. You can watch the 25 different presentations all about business and practice growth during that weekend of September 12th and 13th. Um, if you can't get to all of them or are out that weekend, again, you can upgrade for lifetime access with the bonuses. But check it out and register at bit.ly, B-I-T slash Cairo Business. And here is my interview for this summit with Christine Odell. All right. Welcome to the virtual summit interview. I really appreciate your time, Christine. Uh, introduce yourself both personally and professionally. I know a lot of people that might be following me over the last few years have probably uh, either heard of you, have your book, uh, had heard you on my podcast or some sort, but introduce yourself and we're going to get into some cash flow and some financial management. Well, thanks so much for having me again. Um, as you said, I'm Christine Odell. I live in a tiny little town called Norwood in Colorado, a town of 450 people. Uh, it was 450 people when my husband was born here in 1950-something, hmm. and uh, still the same. It doesn't grow. Um, so we have eight acres, two dogs, Kevin up in the mountains, as if you know, we wanted to get more remote than we are, already are. Um, and then we run multiple businesses here. So... I'm a professional CFO for small companies. I've done coaching, bookkeeping, anything that has to do with money uh, for people and, and companies. So, Absolutely. You know, and obviously you and I have been working together for probably four years now. And so uh, I have firsthand experience of working with you. You've uh, transformed uh, my finances and my whole uh, kind of outlook on things, which has been great. And, and, and that's why I really wanted to, you know, touch on this topic for this summit was uh, I get a lot of chiropractors that ask me about it. I know that I went through this as well, but, you know, cash flow, cash flow management, and, some, and you'll dive into this, but sometimes it's not even a matter of 
lack of cash flow. Sometimes I, I talk to chiropractors, and I know you talk to business owners and chiropractors that are doing just fine, but they they have no plan with their cash flow. They have no strategy, and there's just uh, it's kind of whimsical. Money comes in, money goes out, and I and I really want to dispel some of the myths and and have you know people have a plan for that when we get into that. So um, I'm sure you see all kinds of cash flow management issues in in your years of doing this. Uh, yeah, most people, you know, we put on our hat and we say we're going to do this for a living, mm-hmm. you know, and in this case, chiropractors, we, we've gone through all these years of medical school and they say, okay, great, now you're a chiropractor, go do your thing. And you're like, okay, my, can I get a job somewhere? Maybe. Or I've got to put my own hat on and open my own clinic and then I've got all these expenses. And as the money starts coming in, we're like, oh, great, we have money. This is cool. We put money in the bank account and then money leaves the bank account and we have no idea what happened. And too often we don't get paid enough. So too often everybody else gets our money before we get our money. And, and we're like, well, wait a minute. I, I'm a doctor. I'm supposed to make a lot of money. The expectation with my family and my friends is I'm a doctor. I'm supposed to make a lot of money. Why am I broke? And it's, comes down to cash flow. It's how you manage the money that comes to you. And if we're a W-2 wage earner, you kind of know what's coming in. And then you kind of know what your expenses are. And nationwide, we know this, you know, from previous recessions, and we know that people are deeply in debt because they don't plan their money. Nobody says, oh, hey, I want to be in debt. They say, oops, somehow I'm in $50,000 of debt. And it's caused from lack of cash flow management. So there's yeah. multiple terms for that. Cash flow management could be a budget. But in business terms, it's a combination of your profit loss statement and your balance sheet and how the money goes through those processes. So that at the end of the day, you say, I have a profit or I have a loss. And I, you know, and I can attest to this too, and I'm sure it's difficult for a lot of chiropractors. It's, and it's tricky because how you live your business life or your personal life, it mixes together, right? You know, right. And, and that's, I know something that you and I've worked together a lot on is, okay, if you do have extra money, where does it go? Does it go towards debt? Does it go towards growing your business or professional development, or does it go towards, you know, a new kitchen, right? Like there's a lot of different ways extra money can go, uh, or you can put yourself in a situation where your personal life is causing too much of a strain on your cash flow and business. It's like technically your business would be fine cash flow wise if you weren't overspending in your personal life and and taking it from there. So it it gets tricky, I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah, it definitely. I mean, and that's when I work with small business owners, I tell them I want to see their personal budget. And they're like, well, wait a minute. I didn't hire you to look at my personal stuff. I hired you to look at my business stuff. And if you don't say they're combined, then as a business owner, you're not understanding the big picture. Because as a business owner, we want to have a profit. But what's the point of having the profit? Is the point to bring the money home to live on, to expend? Or is the point to build a profit so we can build the company even bigger? So a lot of times you get the question, when can I add staff? When can I add another doctor to my thing? When can I add marketing in? When can I add? Well, do you want, where do you want that money to go? And how do you want it to work for you? And how do you want it to come home for you? Mm-hmm. So all of that has to do with cash flow planning. Uh, and the other thing I see with small business owners is they spend a lot of personal money on the business. Mm-hmm. And yep. they don't track that. And that's all part of the cash flow. So if you're taking your personal money and you're putting it into the business, at some point you want to take that personal money back out. Mm-hmm. Right. And so a lot of you get into the tax conversation of I put the money into the business. Is it income or is it equity? 
most people put it in the bookkeeper doesn't know where it came from they put it in as income well great now it looks like we made a profit but did we really if we put it, we already paid tax on that money and we put it in ourselves as opposed yeah. to getting that from customers a couple of things I want to touch on. Uh, I mean, one is it's really important to have a good bookkeeper or someone looking over that because you're right. Like if you start mislabeling things, it could have a huge tax implication uh, for you. So make sure you have that. So that's a key take home. And then let's, I want to dive in and, and you know, spend a little bit of time because it's one of our main uh, talking points. But uh, when, when can a chiropractor actually know and make an accurate decision on adding expenses such as hiring a front desk person or an assistant or another chiropractor? Like when can they really know if, if they can make that uh, higher or additional expense and what can they do to prepare for that if they, if they need to? It's almost, um, you're asking me a, a helicopter question for a minute mm -hmm. answer. Um, it really has to do with your income. So if, and how you're structuring your day. So let's just say you're a new chiropractor and you're only seeing three or five, three to five clients a day, every day. Do you really need an assistant? You know, is it going to free up your time to see more patients, or are you just saying I don't want to do that part? So that's a little bit of, of not even the money part. It has to do with the time part. On the flip side of that, if you're seeing you know four patients an hour, all day long and you've got more patients than you know what to do with, how are you gonna to go to the front desk and work with patients, front desk work with patients, and build your business? And so that's kind of a time structure thing. You know, when are you going to need to hire somebody in to help you with the day-to-day -day tasks? So that's one part of it. The next yep. part of it, you know, all these patients coming in, are they paying you? Uh, so you don't, when I'm working with um, chiropractors, especially right out of the book, the you know out of school or they're starting up some of them are are just not charging or they're not charging enough so if you start out and you're not charging your patients enough do you have the money to hire somebody else in and pay for the lights the rent all of that so it's kind of a, a multi-leveled answer but i would say time-wise if you're too busy that you can't handle the basic day-to-day -day operations that's a great time to hire somebody mm -hmm. or you want to free up your time um, so you can do other things or more, see more patients. That's another great time. Um, and then bottom line, do you have any money? Can yeah. you pay them? You know, if all the money coming in and all the money going out is in rent and, and paying other people, can you pay that another person? And mm -hmm. will you get paid? Cause I see that a lot. Everybody else in the office gets paid, but the doctor. That happens unfortunately too often, and and you brought up some some great points, and I wanted to to touch on that with my personal experience because in the past I have actually hired people because I didn't want to do something anymore, but it wasn't I wasn't doing a good job of spending that freed up time in things that would actually grow more revenue, hence profit, and, and pay for that or justify it, uh, or sometimes I early on, I failed to realize the implications of, of making a big hire of my cash flow because cash flow just seemed okay, but I didn't have a real crystal clear aspect of it. And so that was a mistake. And then fast forward and now I've done some things where I've, I've taken those variables into play, like you talked about, where I hired uh, because of the time that it gives me back, um, where 
I now know that I can spend that time on other things that I have that are generating, uh, you know, revenue and profit. So it, it actually makes sense. It's freeing me up to what strategic coach would talk about focusing on my unique abilities. So I've been buying my time and buying my uh, unique abilities in a sense. And so that was uh, definitely a, a lighthouse for me. And then obviously working with you and making sure can, can I actually afford this from the bottom line? Uh, Cause that's important as well. So that's a great way of, of putting that hierarchy together. So, so one of the things, um, you know, and you and I have talked about this is when you're looking at adding an expense, I, I use mm-hmm. the 10 X and apparently somebody came up with that before me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've got to come up with the name of the person. There's a couple of it. it's like Grant Cardone's one, Dan Sullivan, a strategic, I, I think mm-hmm. it's pretty, uh, you it's could pretty, use it. pretty good out there. So, so I always say if I hire somebody for $1,500 a month, can I gain $15,000 in revenue? Not necessarily in profit, but in revenue. Are, are they going to free me up that much to create that kind of a return? And the thing to understand, it may not be at first, like the second you bring them on, they're not going to generate that type of return. But over time, are they going to generate that type of return? The other thing when hiring somebody, you need to you know, say, oh, okay, I want to hire somebody. But the law says I can pay them minimum wage. But in reality, if you're hiring them at minimum wage, are they going to provide the type of 10x that you really want? And so a lot of the hire is pulling in the right person for the right amount of money, and then what's the 10x on that? So all of those, again, comes to your cash flow. What does your cash flow say? You know, if you're running in the negative, you probably can't afford to bring someone in. Or the flip side of that is if you're running in the negative, you probably need to bring someone in to free you up so you can generate that more income. So it's definitely a balance of understanding what your cash is telling you. Yep. And, and that's something that's such a struggle in our profession because the whole idea and concept, I shouldn't say idea, the concept of margin, right? Like the, one of the run, things we run into in our profession with re- reimbursement going way down is actually having any margin left. So I'll talk to some of these chiropractors and they've got busy practices. And if a new patient calls on Monday, they can't get them in until Friday. And, and on the surface, it looks like, okay, that's a bustling practice. But when you look at the margin and the, and the profit margin, it really doesn't leave a lot of meat on the bone to, to make a hire of an associate that where, okay, if you brought in the associate, you could see that new patient quicker and maybe more office visits, but it, it gets, it gets difficult to generate those types of, um, you know, return on your investment that a lot of other industries do, which is frustrating. It, it definitely is. Uh, but it's something that we have to deal with. Right. And that's why I see a lot of times with chiropractors, they bring in other services like acupuncture, dry needling, or um, supplements, nutrition type things. So there's a lot of other places where you can generate income. Yeah, um, definitely. Knowing your numbers, you know, that's that's mm-hmm. the key is knowing what your numbers are telling you. Because you know, for one client, I just went through an entire insurance audit with them. They were overpaying insurance $6,000. And so, you know, you say, okay, where am I overspending so that I can really allocate the money better? And I think when we start up, we're like, okay, we need a cell phone, we need internet, we need computers, we need, we need, we need. And we start throwing all these expenses and it draws back from those things that are going to give you that 10x. Yeah, and that's obviously one of the struggles of the, if you have high debt service on on debt in your business, it, it can get up to a number where that, like, that's 
that amount of money per month is an employee right there, right? Yeah, and, uh, exactly. and and that can be uh, one of the pitfalls of, of, of cash flow and debt. But um, let's roll into that topic. What what are some of the cash flow pitfalls you you often see that people just really struggle with or find themselves in a, a pickle and can't get out of it? The, the biggest thing I see is people have no idea what the numbers are doing. Mm-hmm. So they know they're going to work all all day long. They know that they have a billing clerk that is sending off invoicing and all of that. They know that money hits the account every day, but they don't know how much is going to hit, when it's going to hit. Um, and then on the flip side of that, they're so conscientious about making sure people are paid. They're paying bills immediately before they know if there's money in the account. Mm-hmm. And so um, the cash flow is saying, okay, let's let's go back and let's put a system in place, right? Mm-hmm. So when you look at a, a at a patient, you don't say, oh, let's just crack the middle of the back and move on, right? Mm-hmm. We're we're gonna look at the entire picture of the person, you know, what's bothering them? Are they standing sideways? Are they mm-hmm. limping with one foot? And same thing with your money is we're gonna look at the entire picture. Where is the money really going? Mm-hmm. Where can we cut that's unnecessary so that we can add where it is necessary? And so the biggest pitfall is saying we don't know what we don't know what our money's doing. Um, I recently got a new client coming in, and I got more documents than I've ever gotten before. Mm-hmm. And I said, "Do you know what any of this is saying?" He's, oh, "No, my bookkeeper generates it." Well, have you ever had a conversation with your bookkeeper? Am I supposed to do that? Was the question. So. <laughs> Okay, yes, you're supposed yeah. to do that. Um, so a lot of that is is just not understanding the money and how it flows through a business. And so, you know, money when it flows through personal, it just goes into your bank account and then mm-hmm. you just write money. Well, um, I think, not to interrupt you, but I will. <laughs> um, we, we've experienced that together where you've looked through my, my books before tax prep and everything and we're able to uh, categorize things appropriately. And I think the one year I saved like $8,000 in what I had to pay the IRS because each year I have to pay the IRS um, and it was like $8,000 and it's just like looking through that was it was amazing so uh, that can be a big chunk of change right and and to that point if you don't mind me sharing is yeah that's we, found, we found an error that had been going on for four years with your bookkeeper mm-hmm. it was an honest error she thought it was a personal expense it was a business expense yeah and so by not having that conversation with the bookkeeper we were never able to figure out that where that was And so we were able to go back and recoup that, which was awesome. Let's take a break from today's episode and announce our first sponsor. This is going to be Propel Marketing and Design. I've known Darcy Sullivan for years. We've worked hand in hand on my websites. I don't trust anybody else uh, to do this search engine optimization. She does a great job. There's there's so much to it. A lot of a lot of the lingo and the words are beyond my uh, comprehension, but it's just amazing work that she does. And if you're really going to get results with Google, you have to make sure your website is SEO optimized. And I really don't want you doing it yourself as a chiropractor. So I, you, you just have to have this type of stuff done. And if you're looking to get more organic online traffic that pulls in new patients, Propel Marketing and Design is currently offering chiropractors who listen to this podcast a free SEO website review. The free review will help you uncover methods that will improve your website and boost your search engine visibility. Head over to propelyourcompany.com slash chiropractor and schedule your free SEO website review. You won't regret it. She gets great results. Your website needs this. Your search results need this. Head on over there to propelyourcompany.com slash chiropractor to get your free SEO website review. Another funny story with the bookkeeper. Uh, 
where uh, it was hilarious. It helped us have more communication with the bookkeeper was um, she had confided, I think in you, she was concerned with all the daytime Uber trips that I had on my business American Express card. And she thought I was like out. She just in her mind, she's a little older maybe. And it was kind of early on when Uber was happening. And she just in her mind had Uber affiliated with drinking and needing a ride home. So she thought I was like out day drinking and, and really what it was, was that with some personal injury patients that we had, they had no mode of transportation because their car was in the shop. And so we provide Uber transportation on the business American express. So that was, you're like, I think you need to communicate more with your bookkeeper on now. I was like, you're probably right. Yeah. And, and that was kind of funny. I was like, where are you coming up with this? Cause I remember having that conversation with her as well. And mm-hmm. um, it's just clarification. You know, the bookkeepers are awesome because, they are looking at the numbers and they they know how to allocate for the most part but they don't know you or exactly what you're doing all the time you know and so that's one of the things I have a bookkeeper on staff and that's one of the things we sit down and we talk about the client we talk about all aspects of the client before I even let her start doing bookkeeping for the client Mm -hmm. Um, and so yeah just getting to know who who you're working for and how you're doing it but I think having a bookkeeper is really important mm-hmm. because um, that's the one thing when I talk to doctors, like, so when do you do your bookkeeping? They're, oh, the bookkeeping. <laughs> and I could just hear, oh, I'm just going to die because of the bookkeeping, <laughs> yeah. you know, because it's, it's not your thing, right? Um, and so emotionally it's draining and you're doing it at the end of the day when you're physically exhausted because mm-hmm. let's face it, chiropractic work is exhausting. Yep. Um, you know, it's a very physical job. And so to get to the end of the day and have to think numbers, which isn't your forte anyway, um, is that's one place I would say cash flow wise, hire a bookkeeper. Yep. Absolutely. And I think what happens too uh, is sometimes is um, QuickBooks online has made it easy for transactions to come for your bank account into that and do all that. But just because it's easy in that regard doesn't mean you know how to really label things and categorize things. So uh, get a, get a professional. Yeah. I'm personally not a fan of QuickBooks online. Um, I think it's great if you're doing invoicing or if you just want to do a a quick look at things or, uh, but where you can automatically download the bank doesn't always categorize it properly. Mm -hmm. The automatic downloads. I I prefer the desktop and doing the data entry, but Mm -hmm. it's archaic. I know. It's all right. That's (laughs) all right. It's better than paper. Um, All right. So I wanted to kind of get into a little of the meat and potatoes of it. And this was, this concept was definitely uh, transformational for me. And I want to give a couple of examples of chiropractic types that I run into a fair amount to where this can help out. But, you know, chiropractor A really might have tight cash flow, cash flow issues, or it's just razor thin each month. And, the, and then they want to plan ahead for certain things. And, and so I know this can help them. And then chiropractor B is a, a, a little bit of a a different animal that I've, I've run across a fair amount. And that's the chiropractor that's got a ton of money coming in and profitable, but they're just leaving it all in, in their business checking account. Like I've talked to some, they've got $80,000, $150,000 in there. And, and that's, and, and they're not running this like operation where their expenses are 120,000 a month. It's, that's literally just a lot of leftover money, but they don't, they couldn't tell me, if that's operating money, they couldn't tell me if that's their emergency save. They couldn't really tell me where that's going or what it is. And so the idea of the operating account, sinking funds and emergency account is really a big thing you taught me. So if you could 
dive into what those are and then how they can help both, you know, say chiropractor A and, and chiropractor B. Sure. I think, um, I think chiropractor A and B both need this. Mm -hmm. um, your operating account, absolutely, that's where the money just gets put into. And then, you know, the, the money goes out of, we, we get that. Mm -hmm. But if you're leaving $10 or $100,000 in the account without a name attached to it, you're running into troubles already. Yeah. Um, then you really have no planning ideas. Mm -hmm. So every, every person and business should have an emergency fund. And if you're completely broke and you really don't know what to do, start somewhere. So I like to do the monthly payment to myself. So if you're looking, you're building your emergency fund, you don't know where to start, start somewhere, start with $200 a month, $500 a month, something that you can do, start putting in there. Amazing things happen when you start putting $500 a month into an account, $1,000 a month, 2000 whatever it becomes. As an emergency fund, as a business, you should have at least 30 days, if not 60 days of cash sitting in a savings account. So if, um, God forbid, COVID. COVID yeah, I think or, a lot of people, this, <laughs> COVID has woken up a lot of people to this part for sure. Uh, you know, the, the nation shut down. You yeah. know, I, Dr. Christie, I remember us talking about it. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's not going to last for very long. <laughs> Famous yeah. last words, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and... I remember you, you were even more doom and gloom. You're like, this is going to go on for years. And I'm like, oh, no, how could it possibly? Well, here we are. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Probably will. Um, hurricanes, tornadoes, um, you know, anything that could cause a huge financial disruption on your business for 30 to 60 days, you want to say, what if I don't have money set aside for those 30 or 60 days, mm -hmm. then my business will crumble. Yeah. Yeah. And, and let me and interject I, real quick too, because this is something that I need my audience to hear too. There's a lot of chiropractors out there that are solo practitioners. And if they hurt themselves skiing, biking or whatever, and they're at a commission for six weeks, eight weeks, whatever it is, that's really tricky. And so that's something that maybe some other business owners don't really deal with, but we have a physical job. And so that's another example. Right. Well, I mean, happened to us, my husband is, um, electrical contractor mm -hmm. we were out hiking and he decided to step in a hole oh. when his leg went down into the hole his toe did not oh. <laughs> and, and the rest of it went down and so he tore his calf and his achilles muscles well he's in construction so there's no climbing up and down ladders i mean no. he literally sat on the couch for two weeks um you know and he's at, at one point he was a huge part of our income you know, like you're talking to solopreneurs. Mm -hmm. So no income for a month. It's been a month now yep. um, from him that that's a huge detriment on any business. Yep. So you want to say, what, what do I have to live on for? And that's why the personal emergency fund is also important. Yep. What do I have to live on? What does my business have to live on? If I have to close my doors for 30 days, 60 days, what can make me open back up again when I'm healed or when the crisis is over, you know, yeah. what's going to help me. And it just gives you so much peace of mind if you've got that 30 or 60 days in there. Yeah. So 30 days to start 60 mm -hmm. days is ideal Perfect. for an emergency fund, you know? And so you think, and the key to this is not the income. It's what your absolute expenses are. So mm -hmm. Dr. Christie and I start when COVID happened, we see this shutdown happening. We sat down and we, we went through, what do we have to spend our money on? Mm -hmm. What's a want in the business? What's a need in the business? And we, 
I can't remember. We whittled your budget down to yeah, about twenty five percent. It was way. It was impressive because you know we closed both practices for a complete month, and uh, that month that we closed, I was actually profitable by like five hundred bucks, which was impressive. Um, the next month kind of got me because insurance tech, uh, auto insurance checks didn't come in uh, when we did open, but we were ready for that, so it was great. Right. So, so just having that that cushion makes a world of difference. Mm-hmm. So that's one, that's part of your budget. That's part of your cash flows. Cash is coming in, automatically transfer, you know, whatever your goal amount is to get that up there. And I would say at a minimum, you need $5,000 in a beginning emergency fund for any business. And I'm, uh, any business. Yeah. You've got $5,000 set aside. So you say, okay, this is an emergency. We're going to put 5000 in as fast as we can into the business. And it doesn't, that shouldn't come from your personal. It should come from the business. Put $5,000 as fast as possible in an emergency fund. At the same time you're doing that, there's what you mentioned, the sinking fund. Mm-hmm. So the sinking fund is totally different. The emergency fund, if the world comes to an end, we've got to do something. Mm-hmm. The sinking fund is things that we know that are coming. So one of the questions you had were when we want to hire somebody. Yep. So we know we want to hire somebody, so we're going to put a time frame. We're going to say, okay, in six months I want to hire somebody. Mm-hmm. And how much is that person going to cost me? So heads up, if you're going to pay the person $20 an hour, the person is going to cost you $40 an hour. It's almost double what that person is going to cost you. Okay. And let me interject real quick to give an example what I did because um, I hired an associate. I remember it was going to, he was going to start, Dr. Gouveia was going to start May of 2019. And in South Florida, summer months are less than, than winter months. So I knew we were going to be, the timing was going to head into the slower months. And so I prepared for that by having a, sinking fund of $10,000 earmarked for bringing on an associate. I, I, I had the cash flow, um, even into the summer months, I was going to have the cash flow, but I just wanted to be prepared for it. And I didn't want to use my emergency fund in case something happened. So that's one of the distinctions I wanted to make sure they have is like, this is different than the emergency. The emergency fund's not for when you, if you hire someone and all, all of a sudden you don't have the cash flow for it. Right. Right. Emergency friends for an emergency, and you have to yeah. define that. Correct. What is an emergency? And, you know, you live in Florida. The air conditioner breaks, and you didn't think that was ever going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't know air conditioners break. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, suddenly we have an emergency. We've got to have air conditioning when it's 100 degrees and 100% humidity. Yeah. There's no question. I know I visited the Midwest. I know what that feels like now. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, it's – so there's things that your your business has to have. So on the – once that breaks, you're going to say, okay, it's going to happen again. So now I can put aside in a sinking fund for that to happen again. And so I'm going to say the, it costs $3,000 to repair. It might happen again in two years. So I take $3,000 divided by 24 months. Now I know how much I need to put into that sinking fund every month for that repair. The beauty of it with a sinking fund, if it doesn't break, you can say, okay, I've got the money set aside. It's there. For yep. when it does break. Now I can go and go save for something else. Mm-hmm. But the sinking fund is always going to be earmarked for things that you know are coming. Yep. And I, I want to touch on that uh, again, you know, to make accurate business decisions, you have to know all that information. So here's another story. Um, I own my office space. I know you know all this. I'm speaking to the audience. I own yep. my office real estate. And so my chiropractic practice pays rent to that holding company that owns that. I happen to also be, it's a medical building. So there's a, uh, an association. I'm the president of that association. So I have all the ins and outs of what's going on. Well, 
we have a roof issue on the entire building, not my unit, just the entire building. And there is the potential in a year that we may have to um, do an assessment of the owners. So if you're in a situation like mine, you can get assessed, right? Like the board can vote and just say, yeah, you owe us $10,000 for this, your portion of this roof. And so I know that that's looming and I decided, you know, I probably need to have my chiropractic practice and you and I will talk about this on our call next week, <laughs> but <laughs> I need to have my chiropractic practice probably pay an extra 500 a month in rent to my holding company, get in preparation as like a sinking amount to earmark that in case that happens. We're trying to work through where it doesn't, which is great. If I don't get assessed, then perfect. I got that money there that can go towards the air conditioning, right? So, right. It, it, so right. it allows you to make more accurate business decisions. Right. And you're not, it keeps you from flying by the seat of your pants. It, it puts that plan in place and it makes it really simple if it's two separate bank accounts mm -hmm. you know, other than the operating. So you have the operating account, you have an emergency fund account, mm -hmm. and then you have a sinking fund account. Yep. And what people try to do is like, okay, I have one emergency fund and it'll be for the business and the personal. No. Yeah. <laughs> you always want, and I always just say this for three, for three times for each person. So if mm -hmm. you said just now you have a holding company, yep. the holding company has an operating account, an emergency fund, and a sinking mm -hmm. fund. The the chiropractic business has an operating, you know, here's another reason why you need a bookkeeper, an emergency yes, fund yes. and a sinking fund. So now we have six bank accounts between two companies. Um, you know, then your personal, personal same yeah. thing, mm -hmm. operating personal, you know, um, emergency and sinking fund. And so you have multiple accounts for each thing and, and that just helps you to keep it organized. You put emergency fund money in the emergency room. You, you don't touch it unless it's emergency, yep. you know, you and define that for yourself. Yeah. And I had to do that again recently because we just bought a house. And so, and I know I emailed you kind of this like list of things that we needed to chat about on our next call. And one of them was, okay, I need now a house repair fund, which I didn't need a month ago because I didn't own a house. And so uh, now that's something I have to take into consideration and, and start funding that in my personal life, obviously. Right. So, so we just build a savings account and we call it house, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, over and above your your actual house payment now. Yep. So when you're renting, and everybody's like, should I rent or should I buy? I'm like, mm -hmm. well, if you're renting and the hot water breaks, hot water heater breaks, whose problem is it? Yeah. Yep. When you own it, whose problem is it? Yeah. And so that's a real big consideration for owning versus renting. Um, just to, to throw this out there, the way you did it with your one company owning your space and your, mm -hmm. your operating company, mm -hmm. I really like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a really good separation. So you could say, you know what? I don't want to practice in this building anymore. I want to move my practice, but you still have this huge asset. Mm -hmm. So you don't lose them both at the same time. So I think yep. that's awesome. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, you know, so lots of tax things that will help with that too. Yeah, that helps you as well. go there. <laughs> that's, that's a whole other conversation. But other um, conversation. yeah, and let's talk about, you know, person B that has a lot of that money in one account. Like what's the benefits for them to start to partition this into the different accounts? Yeah, I just had a client that just did this. Um, she, we looked up and we we had one hundred and fifty thousand dollars in our operating account. Mm -hmm. I said, "Yeah, this isn't good." So I said, "Let's pull. Let's look at this. Really, we want to pull off the emergency fund." Mm -hmm. So we pulled that off and we st we stuck that in the emergency fund. Perfect. So she's got fifty grand in the emergency fund. Then we said, "Okay, what what does the building or the business need?" 
Um, so she came up with three or four items and said, okay, we're going to put that in sinking fund. We're going to leave it there. We're going to go off and price those items. Um, we don't want to just write the check right away. Mm -hmm. We want to make sure we go through the due diligence on that. And then, you know, we still had a pretty good chunk of change in there. And I said, okay, let's go look at the tax part of it. You know, let's pay you. And in that payment, let's fully fund your simple IRAs for you and your husband. So we just peeled off $26,000 and fully funded their simple IRA. And that was a big tax advantage versus just her taking a draw of $26,000. Right. Yep. Huge tax advantage. Um, and, and that was one of the initial conversations. Her husband's like, well, I'm really into this business. I think it's going to be good. And I think when we sell it, that'll be our retirement. And I said, no, we're going to start funding your retirement right away. Mm -hmm. It's maybe a big mm -hmm. part of that. And so, I mean, you can see the husband saying, gee, we just funded my retirement for the whole year. Oh my gosh, this is exciting. Yeah. And so um, that was kind of a big part of it too, is saying, okay, we can do a big tax savings, pay you. Um, at the same time, what we did is because there was so much income, mm -hmm. we went ahead and, and paid some of their income tax yeah. in their payroll. So their take-home payroll check that we did, I, I think the gross was somewhere around 10000 each. We took out simple IRA. We took it. No, that's not the right number. Anyway. Forget the numbers, but we took out the simple IRA. We paid some some income tax. Mm -hmm. We paid Social Security, Medicare, and I think their take home was two hundred bucks. Yeah, but now they're <laughs> so, but now they got a clean slate. <laughs> but but they, that doesn't mean they can't still take a draw out of the company. It's mm -hmm. that we went through and we took care of the tax part yeah. of that big amount in the bank account. Yeah, and then so, you know sometimes you're going to have to pay the piper, right? Like if, uh, you know, I've, I've got a chiropractor I've talked to and, and one of their big goals is, is buying a house, saving for a house. And they're really, they're squared away with their business. So they're doing all the right stuff there. Uh, but they need to start saving for, for a house. And depending on, you know, where you're at, what location, if it's high, uh, if real estate's high, or obviously if you want to put 20% down, you have to get that to your personal at some point and you, and you're going to have to, pay the piper, I assume it's some point down but the road. We all get to pay tax. It's just yeah. we get to pay a lot of tax or a little tax. Mm -hmm. And so we definitely want to, in cash flow, we can say, okay, what part of business is really business? And so one of the things that I find, and this is an IRS rule, is that people have a home office. Yeah. You know, so you can, you can write a check from your business to yourself or to your mortgagee or, or to um, your landlord for rent for using that space. You could do the home office deduction, but I've talked to numerous CPAs, they hate filling out the home office deduction form because they say it's an audit risk. Mm -hmm. So just mark it off as rent, it's totally legal. Um, and then you, you bring more money home, you lower your tax liability, and then you can do those things that you wanna do, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so you want to do that. You want to say, where can I pay for expenses? Um, you know, I don't know. If you're a business owner, have you ever gone out to dinner with somebody in your life mm -hmm. and not spoken about your business? No. Yeah. It never happens. <laughs> part, part <of laughs> if life. it happens, then it's a personal expense. But if, you, if you're talking about your business at any level, you can expense half of that meal mm -hmm. through the IRS. So, so understanding that cash flow of what the personal should pay and what the, the business should pay is really important. Yep. And that again comes to cash flow. And if you can pay more within the business, you might take home less, mm -hmm. but you're still living on more. I, I got more, another example. I think this was, correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember, you know, we, we, we eat a lot of stuff here like espressos and coffees and, and we'll call it food products for the office. And it was getting put under, um, 
basic, like, cause if you, if I go out to lunch and with an attorney or a doctor, I can write that off, but you only get 50% write off. Correct. Yeah. If, stop using that write off word. You'll get, in yeah, trouble. that's right. But if you, <laughs> if you're buying like coffees and all the different things for the office, you don't want to put that under food entertainment. You want to put that under office supplies probably because that's a hundred percent. So that was, I remember right. that was something we figured out and, you know, added up over, over, over time. So that was good. Right. Um, and then I wanted to touch on the operating account as well. Cause one of the things that I've done with that, cause it's a question I get, is, you know, obviously you don't want to bring your operating account down to zero. Um, but I've been using like a $10,000 kind of buffer or act as though that's zero to where I try not to get below that in the operating account. I'm assuming that number would be different depending on how much revenue you have coming in each month, how much expenses and everything like that. But what what are your thoughts on that for the operating account as far as like a minimum? That's exactly what I've done my whole life. Somebody told me when I was in college, I said, just put $100 in there and then don't keep it in the register. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's not there. It's a buffer because there's typos at the bank. There's, you know, mistakes that happen. And so having a, a buffer there is really good. Mm -hmm. um, the key to having a buffer there is you don't want to walk around saying I have a buffer. Yeah. You know, you, you're saying I'm, there's it's cash in there. Zero. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's zero. Um, you know, so so you got to be a little bit careful with that buffer idea, but yeah. it's a it's a really smart thing. You don't want to run your your budget to zero, mm -hmm. and so in a personal budget, we say income minus outgo equals zero, yeah. right? Um, and so a personal budget is usually, hey, we're going to get this much money, and we have this much expenses. We want to spend all of it on paper before we go spending it. Yep. Okay, that's a common personal finance mm -hmm. business. You want to kind of have that same idea in your head. But it never really works that way because the cash flow, and like we're saying, the insurance payments come in every single day, right? Yep. And then we have expenses going out. So one of the things to slow down cash flow I do with my clients is I say pay bills once or twice a month. Mm -hmm. the, you know, a lot of them, like the second they get the bill, they want to pay it. I'm like, yep. no, just take it in, put it in a pile, have a bill pay day. Yep. You know, and my, all of my vendors, no, I pay bills on the 15th of the month. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I have a couple of them that want my check by the 10th and they still are fine because they know they get paid in full on the 15th. Perfect. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So you can protect that. And then, you know, just to kind of wrap it up, it's like one of those things where if you've got that operating account and you're comfortable with that, and then you've got your emergency savings flush and you're good there and you've done that in your personal life and you're, you're not overspending in your personal life, you know, and then you start saving each month towards the sinking funds for the one-off when you do have that extra money, you can start doing what you said that your one client did, where it's okay, you can fund your simple IRA, uh, maybe a Roth IRA if you make less than a certain amount, whatever it is. And then you can start making better decisions on, yes, I can hire someone or yes, I can buy a house or do the kitchen or take the vacation um, or invest in a coach or something, right? There's a lot of right. different things you can use your money for when you own a business and it gets very hard to make the decision. But if you do it this way with these three types of accounts for your each of your business and your personal, it starts to take the confusion out of those decision-making processes. Right. And, you know, that's one thing that I've done forever. Mm -hmm. And in my, my business, I was just saving $1,000 a month. I wasn't using it for anything. I didn't even know what to use it for. Yeah. I was like, okay, I'm saving 1000 bucks a month because this is what I tell my clients to do. And then we, we bought a second house in St. George, Utah, and I wanted a swimming pool. And I looked in that account, and I had enough to put in a swimming pool. Yeah, that's and nice. so it was <laughs> – yeah, that was really you nice. You need a swimming pool in Utah. 
Uh, yeah, when it was 110 degrees there last week, you <laughs> do. Um, so yeah, it was um, that was really easy because I could say I was set, I was putting it aside for something. Um, we've, we're making the house into somewhat of a retreat center, so it became in part a business expense, mm -hmm. and in part a personal draw. And right. so, um, th but when you're doing that, when you, you know a thousand dollars a month over 75 months is seventy five thousand yeah. dollars, right? And so, it's just saving up for things that you know are coming. Uh, same thing happened in my husband's account. His account got really nice, um, and he went on autotrader.com and found me a little Mercedes-Benz convertible. Nice. Um, yeah, it's really nice. So original sticker was seventy-five thousand, but since he found it on Autotrader, it was only twenty, mm -hmm. twenty-five. And so I got as my the CFO car to drive. There you go. <laughs> so, um, but we were just you know you're saving up for things. You're saving up for things as they're coming, and you might not know exactly what they are, but if you get in the habit. $1,000 a month going into your sinking fund, you know, then you're like, oh, I didn't wander into debt. I wandered into savings. Yep. No, it's, it's true. You know, and uh, it, obviously we could probably have a whole other conversation about the psychology of money. Uh, and that's part of what you've been rewiring with me, which is nice. And uh, I th think everybody could learn a few lessons on that. But this, this really, this system that you have here, it really helps out. Um, can you have a book that you've written? I send it to a lot of my coaching clients. I'm, it's mandatory reading, but show that they can get that on Amazon. Cause I, <clears throat> I know. Yep, Where's we, my camera? There, there you go. Perfect. <laughs> Rocking so, your business finances, and I send it through Amazon to anybody that I work with. So it's just a really good book, workbook to help you through these. So check that out if you have any further questions. I really appreciate your your time and commitment to helping out chiropractors here. Uh, any last words before we wrap this up? Um, well, I always like to tell people, I you know my phone number is available. So if you have any questions, if you went through this and you're like, ah, uh, yeah, I need more clarification, just call me. Um, it's area code nine seven zero. Seven two nine two nine seven nine, and I have a website rockinbb.com. It's r o c k i n b b dot com. Um, you know, reach out to me. I if I can help, I'm happy to. If you just need a fifteen minute conversation, not a problem. Perfect. So. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Modern Chiropractic Marketing Show. Before you leave, make sure you check out our website. We've got blogs and podcasts and all kinds of great info at www.modernchiropracticmarketing.com. We also have a closed Facebook group of the same name where a lot of like-minded chiropractors are workshopping ideas and making sure that we have this continual advancement of marketing, business, mindset, and just growth of your practice. So check us out, modernchiropracticmarketing.com and the Facebook group of the same name.